Is that better? Oh, there it is. Yes, there we go. Good morning, how we doing? Good, good to uh, see you this morning. Um, I've been talking about this little piece of paper here, and I can't quite figure out if you guys are stubborn or forgetful, but it's one of the two, right? So, so really want to encourage you to fill one of these out, and, and okay, you don't have to put your photo on it, all right? So there's a bunch of these in the back uh, on uh, the table in the back of the sanctuary there, and, and this is a little thing. Next week, our 20th uh, anniversary, uh, the theme is um, God's faithfulness over time. And so we thought it would be fun to, to hear your God story and what has happened over uh, a period of time in your life and how God's been faithful. And so, and then we're going to put them up on the, the back wall back there, and, and we have one. So really want to encourage you um, to do this. Okay? Just, you know, help a brother out, right? And get that done. All right. Uh, we are starting a, a new series um, this uh, week. And um, we're going to do three weeks. We'll have our anniversary uh, celebration next week. And then uh, three weeks of this series kind of entitled Back to the Basics. We're going to look at some things, and I'm going to use the uh, phrase, what if, uh, and then we're going to fill in the blank over a three-week uh, period of time. Then we'll start into our Christmas uh, series after that. Uh, after looking at the Apostle Paul and his encouragement uh, not to lose heart, um, I, I thought it would be good for us just to kind of go over some basic things. And, and so uh, none of these... Um, are going to be easy, by the way. But I think the one that we're going to talk about today is extremely difficult. Probably ranks at, at, at the top. We're, we're going to talk about what if you actually took control of your thoughts. Thoughts are, are, are powerful things. And you've probably heard the saying, change your thoughts and you can change the world. Critics say that, that it's not that easy. You can't just change your life by changing your thoughts, to which I would agree with the first part. And I would challenge the second part of that. And, and I would challenge the original statement that changing your thoughts would change the world. That's not true, right? God changes the world. Right? God is in control of all things. Anyone who's tried to change their way of thinking can, can tell you that it's not easy to do. Well, we have deeply ingrained thought habits that typically turn uh, in a response to certain situations like stress and fatigue and, and doubt or, or fear. And I know it's true for me. Like, I have this habit of nighttime eating, right? Anybody? Just me. Okay, there's a few. And here's what happens. Even if I intentionally not have my favorite snacks at the house, and I know there's nothing there to go get, what do I do? 
I'll tell you what I do. I get up out, out of my comfy recliner, right, watching the football game, right? And I still go, and, and I try to find something. And I know there's nothing there. It's a subconscious habit to get up and just a toe try to find something. That's where we are with most of the things that we think. We are programmed to think certain ways about certain things, and we often do it without even thinking. We often think without thinking about what we're thinking about. It's our natural tendency, I think, to think negative thoughts, for example. Right? And you can't do a whole lot to curb the natural tendency. And if you don't, then your worldview and your life experience will, will be on the negative side. And the problem with negative thinking is, is that it leads to issues that, that can't be avoided. Like first, it, it robs us of a life of faith. Right? It's hard to live with an attitude that says God is bigger than my problems, which he is, by the way. When you approach every problem thinking, well, this problem's going to ruin my life. Right? Just negative thinking. It's difficult to live with an attitude that says, I'm blessed, I'm a, I'm a child of God. When every time there's a little inconvenience, you respond with, well, isn't that typical? Negative thinking also leads to inactivity. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, it's easy to use what's the use excuse and have that kind of mentality. It causes us to think, why bother? Because nothing works out anyways. Right? Like I fall into that trap. I think if I get on my bike and I ride every day, I know what's going to happen, right? I'll do it for a while. Then I'll give up and I'll be right back where I was before and all that work will be for nothing, right? And so I'm just not going to get on my bike. Guess what? Terrible thinking. Terrible thinking. Riding my bike is one thing, but I think people take it a little bit further and I think they use that line of thinking and they think things like, why bother to try to strengthen my marriage? Why bother doing my best at work? Why should I bother not to sin? Or why should I bother not doing the disciplines of the Christian life? Why should I bother? And you can fill in your blank. When you give in to the tendency to think negatively, it's easier to give in the temptation of doing nothing. And then lastly, negative thinking often causes isolation in relationships, right? It causes us to focus on what's wrong in a relationship and, and tricks us into thinking that nothing can be done about it. Also, seeing the faults in others prevents us from seeing their good qualities, which prevents you from enjoying the fullness of that relationship. And, and if you're not willing to do the hard work of taking control of your thought life, it, it will make a huge difference. 
And we're going to talk about what that difference is in, in a minute. Throughout the message today, I'm going to use a term that, that I feel like I need to define and, and I need to explain a, a little bit. We've talked about how we, should, we probably shouldn't think negatively, which means that we pop, probably should think what? Positively, right? Is that the, the obvious answer there? Which is the term like I feel like I need to explain a little bit. So when I use the term positive thinking, what I'm not talking about is what you probably see on, on TV and some of the preaching on, on TV. And in fact, there's probably a whole positive thinking preaching movement out there where, where they'll talk about if you just think positive, then prosperity will come. Or if you just think positive, then all your health issues will be solved. Well, let me just give you a thought or my take on this. Most of you know that, that my wife has leukemia. And I have to say that she has stayed very positive. Her attitude is very positive when it comes to her illness and life in general. And I'm only using her as an example this morning because I know her story. And I know that, that maybe there are some of you here today that, that have the same kind of thing going on. But her positive thinking has served her well in dealing with her CLL over the years. Here's the thing. She's had leukemia for the last 18 years. Positive thinking didn't take it away. But it sure has made her life better. Right? She gets up every day. You know what she thinks? She didn't think she has leukemia. What she thinks is, what can I do for the Lord today? She, she thinks to herself that God is in control. And I'm going to serve him until he decides to take me home. But until then, she's like, let's go. There's work to be done for the Lord. Did, did, do you see the difference there? It's not that I will think positive to get something from God. It's biblical thinking to do something for God and for others. That that's what he's called us to do. And when you start to think positively and biblically, here, here's what happens. First of all, you will be happier, right? It doesn't take a rocket science to figure out the person that, that thinks biblically will be happier than the person that thinks negatively. I can tell you from experience that being happier is way better than being miserable. Just saying. Secondly, you'll develop a more accurate worldview. When, when you think positively and biblically, you'll see the world as it really is and, and the fact that you can actually impact the world around you. And we get it. We're lost in our sin. But Jesus came and he died on the cross to solve that sin problem. And now we have the privilege of, of sharing that with others. And then thirdly, you become more productive. And instead of thinking, what's the use... You think, what do I need to, to do? Well, what does Jesus want me to do in this situation or in that situation? How, how can I impact the people around me? And when you take control of your thoughts, you spend less time thinking about the things that take you nowhere. You spend less time about thinking about the past. You spend less time about thinking about what could have been. You spend more time thinking about what is and what can be. And if you'll make an effort to take control of your thought life, it'll improve your emotional state, 
your spiritual life, your relationships, and, and, and really all aspects of life will improve. So the question becomes is how, how do I take control of my thought life? Well, today we're going to look at a few steps that you might be able to take to do that. So the first one is this. Go ahead and take your notes. out. You can follow along with me. The first one is to think on purpose. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul's teaching the Corinthian Christians. And he's telling them, hey, look, guys, you have some worldly thinking going on here. Like, like they didn't like the fact that Paul talked about his weaknesses. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Paul was strong even though he was weak because of what Christ has done in his life. They doubted that he was an apostle. So, so that was the first thing. And then, but, but Paul's principle has much broader application here. We are not helpless victims or, rec- or recipients of our thoughts. We can choose to stop our thoughts and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts of lust, the thoughts of anger, thoughts of fear, thoughts of greed, bitter thoughts, evil thoughts. They're all a part of that phrase, every thought that we must bring into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bottom line here is he's talking about the influence that the world has on our belief system and our most basic ideas about life. Right? So, so the world teaches one philosophy and the Bible teaches another. And we need to make sure that our thinking is aligned with what the Bible teaches. So, so if you ever have spent any time alone just with your thoughts, like, like if you're just like, I'm going to get away, I'm just going to... It's going to get along with my thoughts. You know this is true. If left unchecked, your thoughts can take you to all kinds of crazy places, can't they? And maybe it plays out like this. Maybe you see an ad for a new car and you think, nice car, wish I could afford it, but I can't. So not in this economy, right? So, so I, don't things, I don't see things getting much better for me. I guess me getting a new car is never going to happen. But then comes along Bob, and Bob's going to tell me how much money he makes and how he's going to buy this new car and that new car. And, and I'm thinking to myself, couldn't happen to a less deserving guy. And I'm putting it nicely right there. <laughs> right? I like Bob's a jerk. Why is he doing so well? I mean, if that's the way it's going to be, why do I even bother? And, and, and on and on that line of thinking goes. And you can see like how one little commercial ad for our car can dominate our thinking and lead us into a pretty negative, non-productive place. It's why we need to take every thought captive. And that's kind of a ridiculous example, but you get the idea. When that thought enters your mind, grab it before it has a chance to wander. Evaluate it, dissect it, weigh it against scripture to see if it measures up. First step to getting victory in our thought life is to learn to think on purpose. To think biblically, to take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. 
The, the, the second step is to think with a filter. One of the things my wife always reminds me of in the fall and the spring is to replace the furnace filter. Our furnace filter is in the, like the crawl space, like the worst place ever to put this stupid thing, right? <laughs> like I'm 58 trying to crawl in the crawl space to change a filter. You can see how happy about it I am. Why, why does she remind me to replace the filter, though? It's because it makes better air to breathe and have some allergies and dust and all that stuff's not good. It's just like we have a filter on our refrigerator and the water dispenser, right? Why do we do that? To keep all the junk out of the water because then the water just flat out tastes better, right? It only lets the pure water through. It's the same way. Paul is suggesting that we use a filter for our thoughts. Here's the filter, Philippians 4.8. We used the verse a couple of a weeks ago, but I'm going to use it again because it's a great verse. Here's the filter. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Since habits and attitudes and lifestyle follow from the mind or flow from the mind, believers should set their minds on what? Morally correct things. Paul gives us this partial list of, of things that I think is really only representative and probably not exhaustive. Since he ends the verse with, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So I think this is probably a general list to get us just started to, to think about things that we should be thinking about. It's a great list to memorize, by the way. There's eight of them. It's pretty easy to put that in your head. And as you think about what you think about, you run those thoughts through this filter. Is it true, for example? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? Is it excellent? Is it worthy of praise? In other words, is this thought worthy of my time? And if so, give it your full attention. If not, you discard the thought. There's a tool that people use to design websites to, to get you to go to the page that you need to go to. And sometimes um, they use this thing called redirect. So it moves you from one place to another. It's a, it's a handy tool for those that do websites and all that kind of stuff. I think it's a good tool for your thought habits as well. Like when you find yourself thinking about something you shouldn't be thinking about, you need to do what? A redirect. Move your thoughts to something good and clean and pure and praiseworthy. It's the second step to taking control of your thoughts. Here's the third thing to consider this morning. is to think in the direction of change. George Bernard Shaw is an Irish playwright who died in the 1950s. He, he, he once said this, those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. He, he probably didn't even realize it, but he was indirectly referencing to a biblical principle of transformation. Right in the book of Romans, Paul says this, chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, 
you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? The battleground between conforming to the world and being transformed within the mind is what's going on in the heart and the mind of the believer. Right? As Christians, we must think differently. We, we don't want to be conformed to this world. We want to be what? Transformed. Well, well, how do you do it? By the renewing of your mind. The, the, the problem is, is that most people base their life on, on feelings, right? And they're only concerned about doing. A uh, life based on feelings says, how do I feel today? So how do I feel about my job? Or how do I feel about my, my spouse? Or how do I feel about worship? How do I feel about the preacher? <laughs> right? Living life by feeling, you'll never know the transformation power of God. Because it, it, it ignores the renewing of the mind. Now, now let me say this. I, I think God is a God of emotion. I'm not down on emotion at all. I'm just saying that when we have emotion outside of the context of transformation, it becomes useless. The life that's based on doing says, don't, don't give me your theology. Just tell me what to do. Right? Give me the seven keys for that and the four points for this. And, and life is, is of doing Right? But that is a life that will never know the transformation power of God because it ignores what? The renewing of the mind. So again, not down on doing. I'm all for doing. In fact, I'm, I talk about doing all the time, but, but, but I talk about it what? In the context uh, of transformation. Because, because if we don't do anything for the Lord in the context of transformation, it's useless. And I don't think God is against these principles of feeling and doing. He's a God of powerful and passionate feeling. And he commands us to be doers of the word. And yet those things are completely inefficient foundations for the Christian life. Outside of the transformation power of God in your life. So the first questions cannot be how do I feel or what do I do. Rather, they must be what is true here. What, what does God's word say? The word for being transformed here describes metamorphosis. It's the same word used to describe Jesus in the transfiguration of Mark chapter 9. It is a glorious transformation. For Paul, the transformation and the renewing of our minds takes place when we behold the face of God, spending time in his glory. And as we are transformed on the inside, the proof is evident on the outside, and that's where others can see what good and acceptable and perfect will of God is through your life. You may know what the good and acceptable and perfect will is uh, of God, but you can't prove it in your life apart from the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So what I'm drilling down on this morning is taking control of your thought life. It, it doesn't just mean you learn to think good things. It means that you become a new person. It means that you want to learn and to think differently because you want to act differently. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 1.13, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, let your hope be fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
So taking control of your thoughts means you think in the direction of action. And when you do the work of transformation, it is then that you ask the question of what do I need to do? So taking control of your thought life is hard work. It's not a one-time event. It's a daily process. But the rewards are worth the effort. And if we can experience transformation in our lives, then we become what? More like Jesus. And that's the goal. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your word today. God, God, I pray that, that, that we are a people that is not like the world. God, I pray that we are in the process of being transformed by the renewing of our minds through the work of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that as your children, we may begin to understand your will for our lives, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins, and and thank you for the forgiveness we have because he went to the cross. And God, thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we press into being transformed. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.